dropping the hammer. No, you're not. So yeah, Phil Spain, welcome back to Dropping the Hammer. It is Monday, April 4th, uh, 2022. I'm Dan McFadden, and uh, let's get right into it. Richmond Raceway, you were there. Uh, I'm guessing this has to be like your first race in a while. How, how long has it been since you've been to a race? Yeah, been my, this was my first race. I actually counted the days while I was waiting while I was waiting for uh, driver introductions, and I think it was 1,764 days, because the last race I went to prior to Richmond was uh, Jimmy Johnson's last win at Dover, so... And it's been a while. Yeah. Th- think, think about everything that's transpired in the sport mm-hmm. in that time. <laughs> yeah, it, and the more I think about it, if I could go back and tell 2017 me hey, you might want to go to another race before then because, (laughs) you know, it's going to get a little crazy and, hey, you know. The the world will come to a standstill for a year because of a Mm -hmm. uh, national pandemic. (laughs) And and then fans, that will will limit fan attendance for two years. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, So, let's, uh, so how many times, is this your first time to Richmond? Yeah, it was my first time at Richmond. I had always wanted to go there because, honestly, from Baltimore, it's not too far. Uh, mostly, I don't know, I guess logistics-wise, uh, when I was younger, uh, we couldn't always get to the racetrack. And for some reason, my father always felt that Dover was, honestly, it's about the same amount of, you know, of a ride. But, uh, yeah, it was good. To uh, good to finally be at Richmond. Uh, I kind of would, you know, I'm thinking I may go back uh, when I go back in August just because I want to experience it again. Uh, you know, I'd love to experience it as a kid, you know, especially at a night race. So, yeah, um, this was not okay. So, yeah, um, like I talked to, talked about it on the last week's podcast that of all, all the tracks that I was hopeful the next gen car could have a real effect on like really produce some good racing um richmond was like in the top three <laughs> like, mm-hmm. richmond charlotte and um i guess like fontana and um right. so far we're 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 we're, we're one th- for three um because fontana was good that mm-hmm. from us from sitting at home watching on tv I, I, you might have a different opinion that was uh outside of you know the uncertainty of can someone catch William Byron and then Denny Hamlin doing it um it was a very not just uninteresting race to watch <laughs> yeah I, I'll say that as this perspective too um just sitting there like that entire time and of course you know I'm happy when there's not too many cautions you know we had the Cody Ware caution um which you know that was an incident uh that i guess he couldn't help because he ended up getting wrecked but um it kind of played out just where 
that last stage just went green. And I think, I don't know, it, it didn't look like it was hard for guys to pass each other, but it felt more like you lost more time in trying to pass or, you know, if you were battling with somebody, you would end up, uh, you know, especially cars that were in the back. I saw so many cars that were like trying to keep their position, also still worried about how their cars were working and listening to Bubba's radio. Uh, you know, the, the biggest thing for them was just trying to get everybody, uh, you know, get everything situated from starting in the back. Mm-hmm. But it just like often would move up, even if he got spots on pit road. He would lose spots uh, because either the car was tight or, you know, something like that. But the racing itself, it it's a better product. And I mean, it was, but it was still kind of boring. Like, you know, I. I, I <laughs> well, like, I, 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 something should be said. Like, I like races that have the occasional long green, green flag run, uh, green flag pit stops um are are interesting they're fun um usually and we had uh there was one graphic at one point in the race there, there was like four different green flag pit stop sequences and there'd mm-hmm. been five total in the previous six races of the season um and mm-hmm. like the first time they had one i was like man is this the first one we've had like outside daytona <laughs> like mm-hmm. it really, really felt like that it's like we're, we're, we're getting to see see some green flag stops and the strategy that comes with that mm-hmm. i'm not a strategy person um mm-hmm. it's like math it's like i please keep this simple <laughs> I, right and i myself when i was when i heard over the radio and they were like oh uh some people are going to try to make this stage on one stop and i'm like because mm-hmm. that second stage I, I didn't expect it to be 160 laps mm-hmm. like oh uh, well maybe they'll break it you know maybe where you know, it's 125 or something like that, or something a little less. But they were able, I think, didn't I think they did make two green flag uh, stops under that. And it was just, that's where it was. What was weird about that is that the second, second round started like really soon after the first round ended. So it's like, right. that's, that, this is weird. <laughs> It was like and constant then, green flag pit stops for one stage. Right. And, and then here that, you know, somebody tried to make it on one stop and then they couldn't make it on one stop, honestly. Because I think uh, Christopher Bell, I think they say he tried to do it. And I know the 11 tried to do it at one point, but it, it was, I, I don't know what was going on. And it's, from a fan's perspective, I didn't see the fans get like restless. You didn't see people start leaving or anything because it was a good crowd i'll say all the way till the end but you could tell there were like some kind of lull points within it where it was just okay i wish you know something would happen here you know somebody gets into somebody like every once in a while i would see somebody trying to get on pit road and you know their brakes would lock up or whatnot uh and, and i and you'd see the smoke over there i'm like oh maybe it's an incident <laughs> no it's just somebody you know locking their brakes up trying to get the pit road because everybody would point I'm like 
Oh, no, it's just break smoke. Well, or, uh, the, 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 there was one time, I believe it was Harrison Burton locked up his brakes. I think it like maybe turned three and four. And it, it, it there was a lot of smoke off that. It was like, it looked like an engine blew up. It was like, no, yeah. no, nope, just locked up his brakes. It was like, yeah. Yeah. And I saw it. I was like, this is, I mean, and that's honestly like one of the first races I've ever been to where you haven't, where I, I've really seen like green flag runs really play out like that. And I'm, I'm one of those people that's not a fan, you know, like you say, it's a strategy thing. I'm not much of a strategist as yeah. far as NASCAR goes. So, um, and, and unless it's like properly conveyed to us by the broadcast, like the stuff that's playing out, like yeah, we don't have access to how much like fuel each car has or tire wear amounts. So we really can't, can't tell you, I couldn't tell you what, what's transpiring from a strategy right. trans- standpoint. Right. So, so unfortunately, yeah, like R- Richmond races of now are not Richmond races of you know nineteen ninety five to two thousand four um, mm. when th- those races were primarily run at night, and the, and the track was also had sealant applied to it that's no longer applied, um, mm. and I, a lot of people think that that probably has something to do with the downturn in the the racing there. Um, what what for for what is Phil Spain's definition of a good race? Honestly, it was close racing, which we saw, you know, I guess towards the end. That that's a good definition of it. I remember those races with the sealant. You know, I enjoyed Richmond back then. And I, I mean, and to a point I still do now, but uh, you know, a, a race where I guess having to show their skill mm-hmm. and you know and i think that's uh we've seen it a lot more now with the gen 7 car that they are their skills a little bit more because there was you know times and they may not go but there were like three wide moments going in the uh, turn one or in the turn three where you're like, oh, there's no way that these guys are going to get through this without somebody wrecking. And somebody would stay on the top and still be able to try to get past. But for me, uh, a good race, and I've always been hesitant to kind of answer that because it's more like, you know, you don't want to say, oh, it has a a lot of cautions. No, I mean, maybe two or three cautions. And even at that, that's probably, it could be for debris or anything like that. But something that keeps the field together, whereas, you know, you have a hundred or a hundred lap run and you got cars going two and three laps down. That's not a good race to me. Uh, Whereas, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, that's normal, you know. Uh, Sometimes a race would you know, somebody would check out and end up with a, you know, three lap lead or something like that. But um, I would say my definition, like I say, close racing to finish, which we had the exciting finish. So it checked the box there. But so, you so, know. So, sometimes a, an exciting finish can like make up for a very subpar race. Right. But I didn't think like, 
the Xfinity race uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care what what who 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 does the bump and run and who and who who get who's on the receiving end of the bump and run. Uh, that finish did not make up for for a bad race, and that the Xfinity race was just bad. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll tell you as I could understand for it. Did I, I? I quote tweeted you, and I said, "Yeah, I, I fell asleep during that race in the stands." Like, I, I to you, like, well, for about, I want to say it had been about at least sixty laps to go. I just, I just kind of like zoned up for a second, took a nap. Ty Gibbs was leading. There was nothing against Ty because I mean the end of the race was, uh, you know, good, but that. That uh, that little lull after the third stage started. I wasn't the only one because there was a couple other people out there that fell asleep. I'm not. I, I've never heard of anyone fall asleep during an NASCAR race, which I find very amusing. Like I don't know how anyone can go to sleep when there's just a constant roar. Hey, hey, if you have your, if you, you know, one of those kind of like noise canceling ones, you you can look at it and. See, I guess, and I don't know, I guess I've been around the sound a lot to where it doesn't, like, affect me, where it's going to be like, oh, I'm going to be wide awake for this. But, no, I, I guess, I don't know, because we had been on the road probably since, like, 7 o'clock that morning, so that was, I guess, a natural <laughs> nap time for me. <laughs> but, no, it was, like you say, it didn't make up, that, that finish didn't make up for the lack of racing that you saw. Like, they basically played follow the leader and you didn't catch anybody until the end. Now, I will say with the cup race, at the at the end of it, when there was at least about maybe, I'd say, 15 laps to go, uh, I started looking, you know, more at Denny. And, you know, I would see him, I saw him pass Harvick. And then I'm like, Oh, so he's probably gonna catch Byron. I didn't think he was gonna do it because I'm like, well, I guess Byron's gonna win this race. And then by the time he had passed him, I was like, wow, so it was that easy this entire race? Like it made me think like they held back on trying to push the issue the entire race because they know it was a short track and you know, I guess they didn't want to start a bunch of wrecks, but well, that, that's, yeah. that's definitely like what like again like, for most of the, the last stage they're primarily focused the broadcast anyway on byron and truex and is truex gonna get get there and they weren't really letting us know what denny was doing because he made up a whole lap in 30 laps yeah. and then took the lead and won um and that that's impressive and that wasn't mm-hmm. really conveyed at least on the broadcast on tv so like so so how, how many laps to go was it when you realized D- denny was coming i want to say it had at least been about about 15 or 20 to go okay yeah right. because i like you said he had lost that i guess he had lost that lap or what that yeah they did they, they broke up the pit strategy yeah they they went the opposite direction yeah and um and then i was like i'm looking at the leaderboard i'm like Oh, okay. There goes Denny, and then there, there he goes again. And then I, you know, paid attention to the battle and everything. I was like, Denny's gonna win this race. Like, it did. It never seemed like it at any point in that race 
you know, with how Blaney led early and then, you know, Byron leading a good chunk of the race, it never felt like that was going to be a race where you'd say, oh, yeah, Denny's going to, you know, win this race. It just felt like, you know, he saved his best for last, even though, like you say, he fell out of strategy. So. Poor... I, I have to feel for Ryan Blaney. Um, like, he, I know he's got seven cup wins, but he should have more at mm-hmm. this point. He's now 0 for 10 when it comes to him leading 100 laps or more in a race. Like, he he can – it seems like he's he's allergic to dominating wins. He, the, yeah. only, the only way he can win is if it's at the last second and mm-hmm. something weird happens. And it's – like, the, the closest he's gotten was his first win at Pocono. Um, but that wasn't really dominating. Like he, 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 he had to battle like Cobblish and Kevin Harvick for it. And yeah. then I think he only led like, you know, the last handful of laps to win. Um, but outside of that, it's like Ro- the Roval win, uh, two straight <laughs> wins at Talladega oh, by 0.13 seconds, um, swooping in at Atlanta to get the win from Harvick with like seven, not Harvick, uh, Larson, uh, Larson like yeah. seven laps to go. Um, what, what were his other two wins last year? I think what Daytona. Did, yeah. yeah, he won. Yeah, and that it's, was like a last couple lap thing. There's so. carnage behind him, and he he he's the guy who gets through. Um, in Michigan, Michigan, he won at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like, but it, that came down to like, I think an overtime restart. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was. It was. So yeah. like he, I, I'm looking forward to the day where he just spanks the field. Like yeah. he 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 deserves it by this point. Yeah, like he was he was pissed off about the traffic, rightfully so. But <clears throat> those guys were trying to stay out of the, uh, you know, trying to stay from going a lap down. Which, with how the runs and stuff went yesterday, if you got a lap down, that was pretty much the end of a good run for you, especially with no, you know, no natural caution. So. so- how easy is it for you uh, to like keep track of what's going? I know you got this, your scanner and stuff. Mm-hmm. So how, like, how how easy is it for you at to just keep yourself aware of what is transpiring in the race? Ah, uh, it's relatively easy. I'll say now with kind of how technology has gone, I'm able now. And yesterday it wasn't as bad. I'm sure as some of the bigger tracks, but phone service was really good. So mm-hmm. if I, you know, was wondering why somebody wasn't doing well, you know, I could go on and see, you know, where Bob had talked about, uh, you know, an incident or, you know, where one of the other beat writers or something would say something, you know, of where, where they're finding, you know, why somebody had this happen. Mm-hmm. Just like with the uh, Cody Ware crash, I saw it happen because it happened right in front of our okay. seats. Th- there wasn't a great replay of that. Uh, the, like literally the only camera view they have is like a camera on the bumper of another car two rows back from him and so you, you just see where just shoot off to the right spinning and hit yeah. the wall so what 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 happened yeah according well the way i saw it because i turned as as i turned i saw the car going up and into the wall but it sounds like what happened was McDowell got into him, shot him up the track, and then he hit the wall. And I know they say he broke whatever, like that steering 
you know, the steering column or whatnot. And that's what pretty much ended the day. But it looked like, I don't know if Cody was in the midst of kind of, I guess, breaking for the person that was in front of him. And McDowell just ran him over, basically. <laughs> um, but the the last thing I saw, I saw the car, you know, get sideways and end up in the defense. And then he drove it down a little bit. But it was probably, it was one of those things where you also, especially with this car, unless it's like a really heavy accident, Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't even like hear the tire screech or anything. You know, really? it was nothing. And and I'm not sure if that's just something with the next gen car where, you know, it doesn't sound like you know a tire is going to go flat or anything. But yeah, uh, just for that incident. And then I'll say the Cendric incident that happened in front of me too. Uh, that one was more. He just got turned by somebody. But that was just a side by side battle, and I'm, I'm not sure who turned him. But I know I saw. I think it, I think it was Cole, Cole Custer bounced off Ty Dillon and into Cendric, and that's yeah. in, that sent Cendric around. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so since this was your first race uh, since 2017, what what how was the crowd like? What did it look like compared to? what you saw four years ago or whatever the crowd I'll, I'll say when we pulled in and this was even just pulling into the uh infield you know or you know everybody coming in the park and everything just seeing all of the people that were either already there or were coming in behind us like they had like at least three streets blocked off where they were trying to get traffic and stuff into the track but just seeing all the people as you come through and into the midway, and, you know, you saw, I, I think you saw what NASCAR has been trying to get mm-hmm. as far as, you know, more people to track diff- of different, you know, races and gender. Like, I know that Richmond is somewhat of a, you know, African-American county already, but okay. I saw, you know, it was a good number of, uh, you know, black people or, you know, Hispanic people uh, that were there and just the crowd, it it was crazy. Like, I know I tweeted a picture like right before uh, driver introductions when I finally got to the seat um, where it, you know, up in the front stretch grandstands. It looked a little scarce, but that was more because people were still just following in. And like even down by driver intros, I could probably say it was at least maybe about, I'd say maybe about 500 people down there, like in that area, waiting for, you know, the drivers to come out. And just seeing the crowd, you know, it, it was, and I'll say it was a good turnout for both days. Xfinity had a good crowd. A uh, bigger crowd than I expected. I think a lot, a lot of people took, uh, you know, uh, with the Xfinity ticket, at least for Richmond, uh, it's a general admission ticket. Mm-hmm. So you can basically pick your seat unless somebody has that seat. Like if they paid for that seat, you know, they'll get it. But, you know, just be able to sit. I never thought I'd be able to sit, you know, right at the front stretch. 
And if I wanted to, by rights, could have sat down near the start finish line, you know, right when the burnout or something happened like that. But crowd wise, I'd say it was at least, uh, I wouldn't say 75% full. I'd say closer to six. It was more than half, but I know that. Uh, yeah, well, I, I'd say I think it was the probably the most sparsely attended cup race this year. Oh, um, oh more than likely, yeah. But I, I'll say for Richmond, it was, and like you say, it was sparsely attended uh, as far as like big crowd potential. But I guess for the the other thing too, I will tell you this: I know what kept had to keep a few people away too was the weather the weather now it i don't know how much they talked about it you know broadcast wise but it was what was it It was about 55 degrees i'll say anywhere from about 55 to 60 with a 30 mile per hour wind gust i did i did did not know about the wind yeah that never yes yeah that wind gust it didn't come up but so often but there were a few times like when we went and did the tweet up like you had to hold down everything that you had with you like if you had (laughs) papers or yeah because stuff was flying away because the wind and i and i i've known that like kind of about the mid-atlantic area sometimes that's why we don't we might not get like other sporting events you know, like big things like wrestling things or things that are be outdoor because the weather this time of year is so hit or miss, like, you know, like what we talked about earlier. But um, I know if it's cold out, a lot of people aren't going to want to sit there. And as the race got on, it only got cooler because mm-hmm. at least by the time when the race was over at, what, about seven? I think it was around seven at least. Um I know I was freezing walking back to the car. So okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the I don't remember at all hearing about the temperature or wind yesterday. So, yep. so speak. Speaking of coverage, um, <laughs> so you you missed out on um oh, no. the pre race festivities on Fox Sports and just the most. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, skits. The, uh, the Fox Sports is ever, just ridiculous skits that Fox Sports has ever done. And then after the skit, a song parody that no one asked for. Um, like, so, the, uh, I, they did a skit with starring Ron Howard's younger brother, Clint Howard. I'm pretty sure it was him. It looked like him. Um, dressed up in to look like a watermelon seed. Because during Ross Chastain's victory celebration at Coda, he had a he had a seed on the corner of his mouth. And apparently somebody noticed and said, Hey, let's do a skit about that seed. And so you have Clint Howard, who's a respected actor. Uh, I, I, I don't think I've heard of Edwards said about Clint Howard. 
pretending to be the seed on Ross Chastain's mouth and pretending like he's now a celebrity because he was a, the seed on the corner of Ross, Ch- Ross Chastain's mouth. Um, and it did not go over well. It shouldn't have gone over well. And the, the song parody, they, they, they decided to do a, a parody of the song Rich Girl by Hall and & Oates. And it's, instead of Rich Girl, it's Richmond or whatever. Um, so yeah, th- that, this is a trend <laughs> with Fox Sports. Um, where, where they lean so far into the comedy or attempts at comedy during 90 minute pre-race shows uh, instead of, you know, time devoted to previewing the track, previewing the race. Um, do you remember the, the the thing before the the Las Vegas race with the guys dressed up in mm-hmm. look to make to make you think they're Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott? Right. And I don't know who who conceived it, but it wasn't funny. It added nothing to the show, and it felt like what's funny is it felt like it was supposed to be like an ongoing bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm pretty. Yes. I, I have never. I don't remember ever seeing anything like that on there. Maybe, maybe I just wasn't watching that day. I don't know. Um, but so, what? What do you like? You, you tweeted this out to to your followers, and you got a lot of responses. And mm-hmm. I've actually brought up that tweet so we can like read off some examples. So, what do you want from pre ratios, NASCAR pre ratios, Phil? What do you want? Uh, as far as pre ratios, honestly, in Fox's case. I would like to see them do more of what they do for race day before, you know, before they throw it to the pre-race show where, you know, you have an analyst and then you have a crew, a former crew chief there to talk about the race, talk about, you know, what they're expecting to see, kind of what they used to do. And, and this is the thing. Fox hasn't always been that kind of over the top like Mm -hmm. you know if you look at any of the broadcasts between i'd say probably when they started in 01 all the way to right probably around the time when they went with you know uh you know the cartoon with digger yes you know uh that's when i think they kind of were like oh well people are gonna buy this oh they're gonna go out and buy merch for this and me as a 18, 19 year old adult at the time was like, no, no, I don't want this. I want to hear, you know, how's Jeff Gordon going to do today? Or how's Jeff Burton at this track? Whereas now, like you say, they're leaning into what people don't want. And it's it, just, but it's I think like, it's, we're, because we're talking about it, it must be a good thing, Phil. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 never. It's not always a good thing in that situation. Um, But for them, it's just like they kind of need to get back to basics. And, you know, I've heard rumblings where they're asking people, you know, what do you want to see as far as a a pre-race show goes? Because they're they're understanding now that they are kind of catching, you know, a, a bunch of flack for it. And for me, like I say, you know, if you look through the coverage, not even, you know, Fox was standing. If you look back to 
ESPN or CBS, you only got 15, you know, maybe 15 to 20 yeah. minutes of the broadcast to sit there and say, oh, hey, uh, you know, this is what's going on in the track. This is how qualifying went. This is how, you know, this is maybe one little public interest story about it uh, or something that's going on affecting the driver. You know, somebody might have been sick since Friday and if they have somebody on standby or something like that. Whereas I don't need a skit about a watermelon seed that was hanging off of a driver's mouth because he decided to bite a watermelon after he won a race. That's it's just like that's too much. And I like think if, if I were doing it, like I've had this idea for a while now, and I wish someone would use it. Like, do a skit mm-hmm. where Ross actually have Ross, not someone dressed up as a seat, where you have Ross doing a if you're gonna do a skit, do a skit where Ross is meticulously choosing which watermelon to, to smash. Like right. th- th- like that that would be funny to me. Um yeah. see that that feels like something. That and I, I, you know, me and you are about the same age. With uh, when ESPN used to do the This Is Sports Center commercials, yeah, you know, where they would have somebody do something that looked out of the norm, like back when uh, Jimmy Johnson had to try to dig up a uh, speed bump, yeah, <laughs> or Dale Jr. like working under uh, some someone's like desk in the Sports Center office, right? Yeah. Like, like he's working underneath a car. Yeah. Yeah, those type of things. Those are funny because, one, they're not, you know, where it's taking up a whole bunch of time. Uh, Whereas, you you know, where that could be used for more information about the race. And that's what a lot of people are saying, you know. And like you said, we're going to go through some of the responses. But a lot of people were saying, you know, give it more of that atmosphere that they had and especially like Speed Network had mm-hmm. with uh, Trackside. That's what a lot of people are asking for. It was, you know? it was like and, it was like it was like College Game Day. Um, yeah. And if if you want NASCAR to to be like other more popular sports, that you had it. That was but that was on Speed, which was kind of like its own like right. independent thing, yeah. that, which was focused on uh, fans who were in the sport. Um, yeah. And that, but that, and that wasn't even on uh, a network that had cup races, right? Their cup races weren't right, aired yeah. on speed. Yeah, the only thing that so, they had on speed was like practice and qualifying. Yeah. So, and yeah, he ended up turning in the now. So it was a bunch of house, but at the same time, if you didn't have cable, you know, for the, the longest time before, you know, cord cutting and stuff like that. You know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, if had something on, uh, you know, race day or, you know, on track side or whatnot, if you didn't, you know, if you didn't hear about it, they normally sometimes wouldn't bring it up on Fox. So I think I think a real problem, though, is that it's 90 minutes of pre-race that you do right. like an out. You do an hour on FS1 and then you go over for like 30 minutes on the main main box but that might technically be two separate programs but for exactly. all intents it's just one long show um and sometimes they 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 repeat stuff in that final 30 minutes that was on on the the the, the fs1 broadcast which i get i totally get that right. um 
but <laughs> it's 90 minutes and that's a lot of time to fill um and other sports like nfl sunday they each cbs and fox each have their own pre-game shows but those are lengthy pre-game shows for multiple games right we're this is just but, one one race on a sunday that we're previewing right and this is the thing though if if we want to go off of that fox nfl sunday which does a mix of and and, and this is another thing too because fox nfl sunday has been kind of guilty of that yeah. as well frank Callian, frank caliendo yeah. rob briggle yeah yeah, yeah. But the thing is, they are only an hour long. And they'll, you know, fit maybe a two-minute sketch in. But the rest of it is interviews with, a, you know, with the matchups that are playing or going out to, uh, you know, a reporter or somebody that's at the, uh, at the, at the game. Whereas if Fox, Fox can, they have enough help where they have, you know, Regan Smith, or they have uh, Jamie Little that can go around, talk to the drivers, and I get it. Drivers are coming from, uh, you know, appearances or different things. Yeah. But back in the day, they used to stop by somebody's hauler while they were getting ready, or if they were waiting outside the hauler with the driver. And maybe things are a little bit different now with COVID as far as how the garage area works and how early they can get access to people, but it's just like, go back to what worked best for you. Mm -hmm. If you're worried about what, you know, where, you know, how, where are you going wrong right now? And I think another problem is like, so I I wrote my, my weekly column at Frenchers.com about this, about Mm -hmm. the problem with pre-race. And part of it is like, they're de- desperate to like grab on to the, the mysterious average viewer. Um, and we're NASCAR's averaging like, you know, three to 4 million viewers. Right. This is the, the basically the base of NASCAR is what's tuning in. And they're, I don't get why <laughs> they think a living watermelon seed skit is going to get anyone's attention. Right. It, it just it makes no sense and, um, and the thing is they they know they they see our tweets trust me yeah they they're not gonna they're not dumb and i and i just it's just like i don't know if they're locked in the half of these things but you know by tuesday or wednesday what you're going to show on that broadcast sunday mm-hmm. and whereas you know you're filling time with the watermelon seed you can have another uh interview like they had a couple uh weeks ago with uh austin Dillon, like when he uh you know the thing about him buying the pbr team mm. you know you can have that thing where it's a sit down with one of your uh pit reporters or something don't give me you know the filler that i don't need you know because at least when you're talking to me about something else you're still gonna bring me you're gonna ask the driver a question about this week how they feel or you know uh, what they're looking forward to about the race whereas that watermelon seed sketch is just 
a random niche moment where if you if you were paying attention, you remember you had the watermelon seed there. I didn't even know about the watermelon seed on Saturday's face. I just thought it was a, a surely, surely, surely you've seen like this, a screen grab or capture of Clint Howard as the seed. Oh, I've seen it because <laughs> I, I tweeted it out because somebody okay. had it. And I was like, I said, Fox is having a real one on the broadcast. Let's see. And I was just like, and I'm, it's a shame I'm there to miss it. Uh, but like like we said, like you said, we had a couple of weeks ago with the uh, I don't even know what movie that was supposed to be making fun of with, uh, you know, with uh, Larson and Elliot. I, I, what, was it supposed to be a movie? I didn't know it was they were making fun of a movie. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was. Was it? Oh my god! Somebody tweeted out what it was in reference to. But I was just well, like, was it like is... uh, leaving Las Vegas? It might have been leaving was that, Las Vegas. Was, was that it? Okay, it I never. That's oh, <laughs> uh, like how old is that movie? <laughs> yeah, like they both of them have probably never even seen. It. And that, also, also, Rich Girl by Hall Notes. How old is that song? Yeah, that's these aren't timely. Like Forty-five years old. These aren't timely references. Like, like a few years ago, for one of the Las Vegas races, they did one that made fun of, you know, the hangover, which right. it, it was kind of, I kind of got, was okay with it. It, it That's timely. It came out in, you know, the last 12 years. Um, <laughs> that's giving them a lot of credit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, I the, the race broadcasts need to respect the viewer. And the sport, those are the those should, like around my column. Those should be the same thing. Um, right. We're already watching. You don't have to give us the hard sell while we're watching. We're already here. Um, just treat us like adults. Um, like it's it's this. I don't get this. Shouldn't be complicated. Um, it's right. why I I I much prefer the NBC portion of the year. And uh, that um, that's not biased because I used to be paid by NBC Sports. It is right. objectively a more adult, mature presentation of the sport. You know, aside from yeah. the the, uh, the the guy in the flannel. Um, uh, oh yeah, I can't. Yeah. My, I can't think of his name. Why can't I think of his name? What's his Ooh, name? The... Oh, Rutledge. Rutledge. Aside from Rutledge Wood. Yeah. All due respect to Rutledge. <laughs> yeah, but he, even even for me. Rutledge though, they throw to him like during a caution or a red flag or something like that. Whereas Fox, where you know he's a, a former employee over there as well, uh, they would probably have used. Well, I, okay, I'll say he was on a speed, but even at that, there was still an arm of Fox. But like you say, it's just like NBC seems to get it right. And a lot of people, and I, I mean, people didn't, I, I, or at least the responses that I read, they didn't say, you know, look at the NBC format. But that's always something that I've looked at too. At least with them, you know, in their pre-race, you've got 
three other drivers, you know, three drivers that have been there. Whereas, you know, you've got with Fox, you've got Boyer, who, you know, I, I don't want to say self-admittedly, if you look at him, he comes off as like kind of a goofy type of person. You know, that's where I think he and, and you know, a lot of people gave him flack for Jeff Gordon being on there. But at least with Jeff, it balanced it out. Whereas, you know, Jeff kind of felt like the, I guess, if you want to go by the original format, uh, like the Larry Mack in the situation. But there were a lot of times where there would be lulls in conversation with those two, <laughs> mostly because they kept trying to push this thought that both of them were, you know, still rivals after yeah. they're, they're, almost it's, it's been, 10 years ago. Yeah, it's like, okay, I, I write about this in my column. Mm-hmm. The common theme with Fox Sports is that they take something that starts off cool, like Digger. This this is a really cool camera angle. This is awesome. And then it transforms into a cartoon character. And Fox beats you over the head with this thing you once thought was cool, and now you can't stand it. Right. That is the common theme with Fox. They take something cool, and then it they distort it in such a horrible yeah. way. So this one thing with Clint Bourne and Jeff Gordon that happened 10 years ago, do you want to bring it up once? That's fine. Yeah. But do we have to do it every time we go to Phoenix? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I mean, come like, on. Oh, hey, remember when Clint got mad and got out of the car and went to go kill Jeff? And, yeah. Like, but like, but that the the cameras on the front of visors start off cool, but we don't need you to tell us how cool it is. Right. And oh man, he's really letting us see how this is going on. It's like. Okay, you've done this about two hundred races in a row now, and yeah, it kind of a- wore off. And if you think about it too, it's nothing special. Uh, I mean, it might be more special to the kids today, but hell, I think Richard Petty wore one on his in his last start. He had a uh, a helmet camera at that. I I don't know what's happened, but like Fox Sports has just become obsessed with onboard cameras in like the last. Yeah couple of years like especially after daytona this year and they even you know and it, and i sometimes i feel bad for mike joy because mike is out there staunchly defending fox yeah. and i get that you know that's his uh you know that's the people that sign his paychecks but you know he can't control yeah. all of those camera angles he can't control you know what they put out there as far as product but you know, I think I think now they're at that point now where they're starting to see the blowback and the only person that people seem to know over at Fox is Mike. And it's like, well, let me voice my opinion to you that this is how we want this to go. This is how we want a broadcast to go. And then, you know, you'll look at Fox and then they'll say, oh, well, we like what we're seeing. No, well, I mean, if you like it, then that's fine. But, you know, the fans at home, and it's like you said, the most important thing is do not dumb the product down to the average person that knows what's going on already. We get it. You know, you may have that uh, fan that's just turning in 
because they saw the ad. Like, I'm sure we get maybe, I'd say maybe 100,000 new people that may tune in for a little bit when they see previews of Talladega or Daytona. Yeah. Because it's a sizzle reel of wrecks. And, and now Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, now Atlanta, <laughs> yeah. Where they're, you know, promoted as, oh, these are going to be beaten and banging. These guys are going to be, you know, uh, with less room to breathe. And then you get, you know, the incidents, and then you wonder why fans turn on, you know, why, why fans or original fans of the sport kind of turn out, you know, because or tune out because, you know, they're tired of seeing, you know, promotions of Newman's wreck or, you know, watching that clip of Harrison Burton sliding on his roof at Daytona. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more of, you know, we get what you're trying to do, but you also got to remember you've got fans that have been watching the sport for 40 and 50 years that don't like what they're seeing anymore. And they'll tell you that's part of the reason why they're turning away. I'd rather be overloaded with information uh, than mm-hmm. be, give it to me piece piecemeal. Um, right. But, like, I mean, NBC Sports has its own, you know, annoying things like playoff implications uh gets i think uttered every yeah few minutes oh yeah um, yeah, yeah. That, that's a dale jr special there <laughs> but like, just, oh, oh. playoff implications like he literally <laughs> just got a flat tire he may be all right yeah they, they took they took dale jr's slide job thing and over beat that beat, beat that into the ground um, yep. But they are they are on the whole just better <laughs> than, than oh, yeah. Fox Sports. Yes, um, yes. like F- F- Fox is doing some good stuff. Like the the booth right now with them going swapping out dr- people every you know couple of weeks. I like that. It, it, right. it feels feels fresh. You know, the people they're getting, you know, Matt Kenseth, Danica, Gordon, Chad Knauss. Tony Stewart's right. been very good. Right. Like, if only you weren't like a, a team owner, this you you would be just great with this being your full time job. Um, right. Like the the booth feels more relevant, more more informed, and informative since like the mid two thousands. Um, right. In my personal opinion, um, but uh, man, uh, who who is your dream booth? Oh man. Um... Well, of course, I would keep Mike Joy. Oh, okay. So, you're, 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 are, you, are you going with your dream Fox booth? Is that what you're going with? Uh, well, I mean, we can go all the way around. I mean, honestly, I think if, you know, I guess if it was more of one of those situations where it's like an all-time favorite booth, I've always said that I, I, I've never been able to decide, like, completely, again, you know, between – Bob Jenkins and Ken Squire. Yeah. You know, at least with Ken, you know, you felt like that was a big race. Even if it was just a 400 lap race at North Carolina or somewhere like that. Well, typically Ken Squire really only did the big races. He did, he did Daytona, Coke 600, uh, Michigan, uh, Mm -hmm. CBS, I think, you, yeah, you, and they would get one Talladega race, and I think that was about it. 
Pocono. 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 TBS New York. Pocono. But on, yeah, on the large, he really only did the big races. Meanwhile, Bob yeah. Jenkins, he he did almost everything. Yeah. He, yeah, he went every 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 race weekend. So yeah, as far as kind of like I guess in the driver analysis part one, of course I had to say a Benny Parsons. Uh, now you can say, and and I've always kind of been hesitant to include Daryl. You know, because for me, sometimes, especially in those early to mid-2000s for Daryl, was just like he still had that itch where he still wanted to be behind the wheel, even though it was beneficial for him not to be. Mm. Uh, and a lot of his stuff, you know, kind of went a little bit wild or on the eccentric side. I mean, granted, his point of view and analysis was good when you went to places like, you know, uh, Bristol or Martinsville, places that he had had a lot of success at. But, you know, I think having Larry Mack there was good because it mellowed him out a little bit. Like, whereas if you thought he was being eccentric, Larry could bring a broadcast back into it. Uh, and then, you know, uh, I would probably say Ned Jarrett as well. Ned, you know, he never, you know, it was literally like he lived up to his nickname, even outside of the car, you know, just being, you know, uh, uh, you know, not quiet in a sense, but he was always there to give you information. Uh, you know, if they needed a historic bit or something like that, he had it. Uh, and even in the way new uh, CBS used to use him, uh, you know, he was a pit reporter to start with, or, you know, uh, they would have him on a special assignment. And, you know, it never felt like they were just trying to put somebody up there that was, you know, where it's just like, oh, people are going to enjoy hearing him. You know, no, they went with him because he was informative and because he had raced in the sport. And that was the same thing with Benny, uh, Benny Parsons. You know, Benny could sometimes take over a broadcast if an incident happened or something, but um, it always just felt like, you know, you always want drivers that feel like they want to be doing it. And, you know, sometimes when I hear Jeff Burton uh, you know, sometimes I, I think, you know, he feels like he could be doing something else. You know, he could be, uh, <laughs> you know, being being there for his son or something like that. Um, but, you know, and I mean, maybe that's just the way I pick up on it. And especially with how I, you know, looked at the drivers throughout their careers. Because it's, you know, it's some drivers where you're like, Oh, I, I never expected him to want to go into TV, like Tony Stewart. And like you said, he was—he—he's been a good, you know, great, a great uh, help with Fox, because whereas, like I say, you know, sometimes Boyer could come off as a, uh, you know, somebody that just sees the comedy and things. Mm. Tony would say, you know well, this is what's going to happen here and how you go about it. and You know, how do you prepare as a driver in a situation for this late 
restart. And I mean, Clint's got that too, but not to the success of the way Tony has it. Yeah. So, and one thing about Tony is that he's someone that if the time came for it, he he was not going to be afraid to like call someone out. Right. Like I could totally imagine him calling out NASCAR on some foolish thing they did mm-hmm. on a broadcast. Right now, I don't see anyone. Jeff Burton. Jeff Jeff Burton. He's the mayor. He'll he'll do that. Right. I can see yeah. I can see him doing that. But other than that, I really don't see anyone uh, currently covering races for NASCAR on TV. That it, it's all it's almost all just happy go lucky. We're just happy to be here. Isn't this great? Um, mm-hmm. And not you know get down to brass tacks every once in a while. Right, right. All right. So you you did you did tweet out asking people what what they want from their NASCAR pre shows. So. Mm-hmm. Let's read through some. Uh, I this one I agree. Michael McIntyre. He's at Racer Mac RTP one. Nothing. I don't want a pre-race show. Come on. Welcome me to welcome me to the track. Go to pit road with three different stories from the three pit reporters. Give me the command. Take a commercial break. Come back. Give the grid go green. Outside of majors, pre-race shows are pointless. I couldn't agree more. I basically tweeted the exact same thing. Yeah. Yes, my Mike, the, the ideal Fox pre-race. Mike Joy co- comes on, aerial shot of the track. Well, welcome to the Richmond 400. He introduces sure. the event, gives some basic information, brings in Clint Boyer and this week's guests. They do a quick summary of the stories that have transpired over the course of the weekend. Let it shoot, shoot it down to Jamie Little on pit road and also Regan Smith. Tip like the in the ESPN days. The drivers would already be in their cars ready oh, to go. Right. And we're, we're doing really cool, like, Zoom shots or whatever on the cars as they sit there. Reporter gives, gives the story. Here's the command start engines. Right. Let's go racing. That's it. That's what I want. Right. And, and, and what I've noticed, a lot of people are saying, too, mostly a lot of people have been saying, and uh, Avery, that's Abrew94, he said a short 15 to 30 minute intro going over who the favorites are. Mm-hmm. A few interviews on pit road, not a grid walk. Not no grid walks. Yeah. Point standings and maybe a short recap of the lower series races from the weekend and go racing. Uh, leave more room for a post race show. Something I feel that is needed badly. I completely agree. Uh, these races start so late now that once they end, they have we have to get to that regular scheduled, you know, primetime programming. So right, we here, have to here's get to the, that episode of The Simpsons, or else Fox is going to be, you know, mad because you know that money brings in more money than <laughs> NASCAR will. So. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, we should be getting hearing from more than just the race winner in second place. Right. Like, that's that, and it just feels like most weekends that's all we get. Right, um, and. and- and to add on to that too, Fox has that you know the the ability to bleed over to FS1, and and that was the one thing I will say I liked about when they had Speed Network, because at least you know you could say oh uh, we it, you know we're out of time, but if you want to see post race interviews, uh, turn on you know FS1 or turn on somewhere else you know instead of like you say we only get top two interviews 
And even at that, the second interview feels rushed because we had to do the front stretch interview in which we had to wait for the driver to get out of the car. Then he yeah. had to go get the flag. Then he had to walk back to the car, take his helmet off. And then we're ready to talk to him. And that sequence in itself is like, what, about five minutes there. Whereas, you know, I could have heard from second, third, fourth, you know, for as many pit, pit, you know, pit reporters that I had. All right. So uh, BJ McDonald, B underscore smooth 35. Uh, driver team spotlight, point standings, recap of last race and storyline to watch race. Instead of our pre-race, give me this, th- give me this in 30 minutes and add the other 30 minutes to post-race coverage, which would include victory lane. Uh, Patty at the disco, Patty Cakes 2K. Good analysis, fan interaction. I don't know about fan interaction. Uh, look, look back at the look, look back at prior races at same track. Preview of today's race, pre-recorded feel-good piece, relevant interviews. No stupid skits or social media clickbait. Right. I agree with you there. I, I get nothing from put it out. Uh, yeah, right. So um... let's, see. <laughs> let's see. We got another one here from Clutch and Coast. Uh, pre-race, honestly, almost nothing. Take 15 minutes and talk about the track, how it races, and how it sets up strategy. Maybe talk to the drivers about their car for the day. That's about it. I'd rather, and this is another one, I'd rather uh, the TV window be saved for posteries. Oh, and also, stop treating the whole thing like a clown show. We're adults, and the kids watching won't care. They just want to see the cars, too. Yeah, it, the, the, like, I, I think I've already mentioned, it's like, the, the incessant, Aren't we having fun? Isn't this fun? Isn't no. this great? It just... Aren't you enjoying this NASCAR Cup Series <laughs> coverage? Brought to you by our premier sponsors of Geico, Coca-Cola, uh, Bush Beer, and uh, yeah, that other sponsor that <laughs> I'm surely forgetting. So, but yeah, I, th- I think for the most part, like, all the responses have been pretty much in the same vein. It's like treat treat us like like, like adults. Give us information, um, and let's go racing. Um, That's like all you need. I, I wrote I wrote, wrote in my column like pre race outside of the majors should be treated like a, sh- a lit fuse. Light it and get out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's all it needs to be. That, that is that is the formula right there. Give me what I need. Give me the information that I need. If I'm like maybe a person that's only watched maybe two or three races, let me know. And I've never seen one at this track. Let me know how it races. Maybe talk to a past winner. But after that, let's go. You know, and that in ESPN, you know, in the early years and uh the early years of Fox and the original NBC, they did a great job with, hey, you know what's going on already. Let's go to it. Whereas now, I got to, and, and there's nothing wrong with taking that test car out. You know, that's another thing the NBC, they've always done that. So I can't sit there and say that's something that could be left out. But 
you know, most people that are watching, we already know what type of trap, you know, uh, Dover is, or we know what type of trap Darlington is going to be, you know, and especially if you watched all the other races this weekend, you already know what you're going to get ready to see. So, mm. and, and that's the thing they got to stop. And like you said earlier, they got to stop trying to push that. Oh, you don't know what's going on. Do you <laughs> on people that know what's going on? Yeah. You know, stop yeah. with that demographic of, uh, Hey, we're more invested in trying to get the new fans to understand Whereas the numbers that you are getting are the people that, that have been watching forever. Yeah. So stop chasing after the people that aren't going to stick around once they find out that every race isn't like they don't. Yeah. That, that's, that's the one thing I've, I've always hated about the Daytona 500 being the first race of the year. Like, mm. yeah, you, you're going to get this huge bump, seven, eight million people watching and they're, Gonna like, oh, this is cool. This is different. Whatever, whatever. It's exciting. Yeah. But then if they do come back the next week to a race like Fontana or Atlanta, yeah. it's not that same thing. That that that's always been my fear. It's like up until this year, there's only four of those races. It wasn't representative of what you're gonna get for 36 mm. weeks out of a year. Yeah. Um, so that, that that's always been my big, big biggest made me uneasy about having that first race um being at daytona so anyway so we're going to martinsville this weekend phil for some night yeah. racing yes how, how excited are you for uh, some martinville action i am excited so i'll be there for that race oh you are oh you're going two in a row okay yep i've decided to double down i will be there i'm excited first time i've ever been in martinsville um it, it's now to finally get that night race i mean we had one back in the pandemic era mm -hmm. but you know now uh with this officially being a night race uh kind of said that they took 100 miles off of it but but i get you know, but i get it though because <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's say, I get it. It, it's it, for, for it, it takes a while to get to martinsville mm -hmm. so um and then to, to leave it so that, that that makes that whole thing just a little bit easier you're, you're getting out of there um just a little bit earlier than you would a little have. a small bit earlier but the, the, the solution to it is, is don't start the race at seven uh <laughs> start it at like five six. yeah and, and, and this is and that's another thing too as far as race time goes you know that, that's gonna be a point of contention for everyone till they're blue in the face you can start a race, especially a night race. You can start at the same time you've been starting the 600 for, you know, about the last, what, uh, almost 25 years. You can go back and start it at 5 o'clock instead of doing 6 o'clock, whereas if you get a caution or a red flag, that race isn't over until after 12. It's just yeah. like, how do you want your fans to be able to translate the next day, which is Memorial Day? But as far to get back to the, the thing that you were talking about, as far as it goes for uh, Martinsville, I'm excited. Um, 
I think we're going to see a little better short track racing this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going to hope. There, there, there will there, be beating and baiting for yeah, sure. That, and that that's for certain. Because, yeah, I mean, it's a small paper clip compared to Richmond where, you know, it's what? I think that less than a, a little less than a mile. Three quarters. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you're talking about like a car being aerodependent on a short track, I think mm-hmm. you have a problem. <laughs> so. Yeah, but it, it looks like on paper, it seems like it's going to be exciting. I, I really can't, I can't really say that I could pick a winner right now. I mean, especially with how the last, uh, you know, last seven races have gone. Yeah. Which, it's funny, back in uh, February when I was uh, writing, when we were for, because I write for Pit Box Press, and we uh, did our, you know, preseason stuff. And they asked, you know, will we see 16 different winners? And I'm like, no, no. Because I expected by now there would be, you know, a double winner somewhere mm-hmm. along the line, at least. And then we start the season with seven different winners. If we get three, three, of, three, one, three of them, three of them are first timers, and you get mm-hmm. you get two other drivers who are strong candidates to get that first win: Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez. So yeah. that get that gets you to nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like three guys that JGR haven't won yet. Uh, yeah. Stuart Haas Racing is so far hasn't hasn't won yet. Um, that's Chase that's, Elliott hasn't won. Chase so. Elliott hasn't won yet. Um. So, yeah, we it's it's a strong possibility we get the sixteen. I'm gonna start to worry if we get, you know, if this week we get to eight, and I'm be like, uh oh, this sixteen is looking possible. It it uh, it's amazing that it, it'd be amazing. It really would. And this this happens in like ten year stretches. Like like 2001, you had um five first time winners. 2011, you had five first-time winners, and now we can potentially get to five again this year. So it's 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 exciting. It's fun. Um, I don't like I don't like I try not to pick winners like until there's like the qualifying or practice. <laughs> exactly. So, Same so, here. No. So, um, Same here. No. But but yeah, short track racing, Martinsville, 400 laps. Um, mm-hmm. I'm ho- hoping it's hoping it's better than Richmond. It should be. It I should hope- be better. Yeah, I, I want to see a few more bent fenders. Martinsville today is basically occupying that spot that Bristol did from like 1995 mm-hmm. to 2002, right. uh, where it seems where like every do. every time you go there, something uh-huh. happens. Be, some <laughs> every some form of beef, either coming or going. So it's, it's good. It, the, yeah. The, the yeah the night races have like consistently given us some fireworks. So, um, I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. So, yeah. all right, Phil. So, thank you for joining me on dropping mm-hmm. the hammer. You, you are an you, you are an early of adopter. Course. You're you're an early you were an early adopter of of the podcast. <laughs> so. Hey, hey, look, you were always good to me, so I had to be good to you in return. So, <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad we 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 we're good to each other. So, um, where where can people yeah. find you, Phil? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Phil and Espanol. 
uh, or if it's too much for you to try to spell out, just Phil Spain. I'll be the first one that probably pops up. Person only, I'm thinking. But uh, and I also have been doing some writing for PitboxPress.com. So we've uh, got a nice little team going. A lot of uh, great writers, a lot of young writers at that too, that are showing their love for the sport. So uh, that's where you can find me now. And uh, yeah. All right. And you can follow, follow me on Twitter at Dan like Fadden. Uh, email me at Dan like at gmail.com. Uh, and fo- please follow the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash Dan like where I'll post this video as well. And of course, subscribe, give, give a rating on your favorite pod- podcasting platform if you're not already currently listening to it right now. So, anyway, thank you for. Another episode, listening to another episode of Dropping the Hammer with Dale McFadden. I'm Dale McFadden. Enjoy your week and enjoy Martinsville, everyone.